0: In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal to bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned.
1: Hey, Bat fans! you're listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. Um, this is your host, Scott, and joining me today are BJ and Adel. Um, we have a packed episode for you, including um, an interview with uh, Alan Burnett, the supervising writer and producer for the Batman The Animated Series. Before we launch into that, though, um, we're going to start with a news segment I'm calling the Let's Kick Some Ice Breaker where we kind of do a round robin of overall general Batman-related topics, just, you know, things in the ether that we could talk about that aren't so tethered to movie news or comic updates or things of that nature. So we can kind of just, as, as the title implies, break the ice a little bit. Um, I'm going to start right off with, what's the story that brought you to Batman and or DC Comics? And it could be a movie, a show, comics, whatever you want to talk about, you have the platform. So I will open up the floor right there.
2: So um, I can't remember one. I think when I was a kid, everybody kind of knew I liked Batman and Superheroes and things like that because of the animated series that came out when I was around five or six or whatever. So I was always watching that. But for comics, my grandmother used to go to these auctions uh, like around uh, the area and would get um, big boxes of comic books. Just like randomly at the auctions, and it was filled with um Nightfall uh comics, like Death of Superman comics, and like pre-clone saga Spider-Man. So I would like just kind of random, not never in order, but just kind of random issues that I still have. And like through the years, I've gone on and kind of filled in like the gaps of like what fits in. So that's probably that huge long box of comics. It had a Robin One issue in there, the Tim Drake Robin. So, and he was always one of my favorite characters. So right then I was kind of hooked on comics just from that random long box of Nightfall comics.
3: So my introduction to the character probably came through the animated TV show, um, which, uh, when I was growing up in, in UAE, uh, we would get the show over there. So I did uh, see a couple of episodes and got introduced to the character at that point. As far as reading comics goes, um, I have a similar story to BJ. Uh, when I would uh, vacation in Canada in the summer times, uh, going through garage sales, I would find uh, you know isolated issues. So I would start reading uh, them, but I never really got into reading them regularly, precisely because of the problem BJ outlined, which is that they were just isolated issues. It wasn't a continuous story. It was just really random. Um, So I started reading regularly, uh, probably just after The New 52 started with uh, Snyder and Capullo. And so that uh, Court of the Owls was like really my first full storyline that I was reading completely. And then from there, I just kind of never looked back.
1: Nice. I know I've talked about this a lot on the show. The, you know, my first introduction being the Michael Keek movies, but um uh, which, you know, fueled a lot of my interest in the character and everything, but as far as first comics go, um I'm a very much a, a big horror person always have been. I saw a lot of horror movies very young, and the first issue I ever remember owning is robin annual number no. two from 1993 um with tim drake robin but it's part of the whole bloodlines story yeah. line. Um, bloodlines. But, but if anyone knows the issue and like has seen the cover you know it's you know robin's on there obviously and someone whom i don't remember that looks kind of like their uh terminator 2 inspired a little bit with like the metal like needle hands kind of shooting out but there's this big green looking alien thing that looks like it was very much inspired from um alien and aliens like kind of in that sphere it has more arms but um it definitely feels like the artist was really leaning into that and so as a kid seeing you know something batman related and then you know something aliens related that was also near and dear to my heart there that was like you know a big sell for me. And so I jumped into that. I don't remember the issue. I don't, you know, obviously I don't think it had the actual story had much of an impact, but you know, that would fuel later comic purchases. And, you know, eventually I became a pretty regular reader of Batman, you know, especially with, uh, when I was younger, the animated series comic line that tied into the show, that was like a really big deal for me. But yeah, those were, um, Though that was a top choice book at the time, that kind of started it all.
2: I think I had that issue somewhere in my collection. Somewhere I'll, <laughs> to pull, I'll have to pull it out.
1: <laughs> Let's see if I can find a picture that doesn't, you know, that looks okay, or if I can dig it out. That's kind of an ask. I probably have it somewhere too. I haven't touched it since, but fun times. Um, for today's episode, we have. Four topics that we'll get into in a moment. Um, You know, Gal Gadot-related news, DCU-related news, um, Blue Beetle, and then um, a quick update on something we forgot to talk about like a month ago, but we'll, you know, jump right into that. But first, we're going to take a brief pause because we have a special interview. It's a short interview, but an interview with Alan Burnett, the award-winning um, supervising producer and writer for *Batman* the Animated Series, courtesy of Fan Expo. Um, it's, a, it's a fun one we ask, you know, I get to ask him questions about Masculine Phantasm and the show and hope you enjoy. This is Scott with the TheBatmanUniverse.net. And today I'm chatting with Alan Burnett, award winning writer and producer of Batman the Animated Series, The Batman, Superman the Animated Series and a ton of other animated works. Um, this interview is courtesy of Fan Expo Chicago. Hi, Alan. Thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Um, We, you know, as you could probably tell by the site name, uh, we are big fans of Batman the Animated Series, as well as, you know, the current The Adventures Continue comic series. Um, The first question I wanted to ask, you know, it's been just over 30 years since the show debuted. Could you ever fathom the impact the show would have? And that, you know, to piggyback off of that as well, that you would be telling, you know, continued stories in this world.
0: Well, um, no, 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 on all of it. So, uh, yeah, it started uh, 32 years ago, I think. I think it started in 91 for me, at least. I think it, the show debuted in 92. And then 93, we had the mo- the movie that came out. And uh, no, I, I, I did know one thing. I knew that there was an audience for the kind of show we did. Because nobody was doing a animated, a serious animated superhero show at the time. And uh we were lucky enough to be uh, programmed at 3 30 in the afternoon. So we, we were out of that Saturday morning block, that children's block, even though uh we were we were uh, supervised over children's programs at uh Fox at the time. And um so uh so we were lucky in that we could we could hit a little higher in the age range. And actually we hit what we did is we we went through the comics and found the elements of Batman that we liked over the years and we were able to put them on the screen. And so um, so and it was it was pretty popular pretty quickly. And but I did I didn't expect what 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 would happen with it and, and how memorable it would be for people. When I go to cons, uh, inevitably, I see parents with their kids, and the parents are telling how they used to run home from school uh, at three o'clock to make sure they saw Batman when they were their kids' age. So that that was that was nice. And I also say something else. The last show I did um, was a show called Justice League Action. It was sort of uh, it was sort of a super friend show, but a, a good one. And and that show. Uh, we made we made an attempt to get a lot of new writers to come into animation. You know, the 30ish, 20s, 30, young 30ish writers, uh, um, and we got them because many of them uh, were eager to do a Warner Brothers uh, animated show because they were big fans of Batman animated series years ago, and uh, a, a, and in fact we got a lot of primetime writers. Who just 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 had to do us an animated show that featured, especially if it featured Batman. So we um, so that was another case of uh, seeing the influence of the show. It's so, it's
1: interesting because it kind of plays into the you know the generational legacy and you know inspiring you know the next group and. Actually, that reminds me of you know one of my favorite episodes is uh, Beware the Gray Ghost. Especially as I get older, you know that the theme of legacy. You know, it's both kind of a celebration of like the heroes who inspire us, and then who we can inspire and pass things on to. And I was, you know, on that note, I'm kind of curious what inspired uh,
0: that particular episode. Uh, it was, it was some well, um, Tom Ruger, who was our executive producer. Uh, and who wrote a couple of scripts for us? Uh, I think it, the idea came from him, and uh, I uh, and I immediately latched onto it because it sounded so good. If I if I if I brought anything to it, it was the uh, it, it was the um, the air, the 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 toy airplanes that were being used by a, a mysterious villain to bomb certain things. Um, And that is really (laughs) a a memory I have of the old Superman show with George Reeve. There was an episode that had a similar situation with uh, toy airplanes. And I thought, oh, this is perfect because we're we're talking about a a show that's really all about nostalgia. It's all about looking back and how uh, your childhood formed you and the things you saw maybe even on TV that formed you. And then, of course, to top it off, we got Adam West to be the great ghost. And how perfect was that?
1: Yeah, no, that was amazing. Well, and just, I feel like the theme of the episode, you know, his character, where he starts at the beginning of the episode and where he ends, I feel like that, in a way, what I had read about Adam West at the time, it felt kind of emblematic emblematic of him as like a person outside of the Batman role too.
0: But... Yeah. You know, he and he was a... He was a very nice guy. I uh, worked with him also in uh, Scooby-Doo stuff. And and uh, he, he was one of the guys, like Kevin Conroy, who didn't run away from being Batman. They embraced it. And the fans loved them for their entire careers. So, um, and he was just a very nice guy, Adam West. He was also, it's not the first time I worked with him. I did, uh, this is how far back I go. I did the last two seasons of Super Friends, and there were some old voices. They sounded old, so we we started to recast. And I wanted, to, and I wanted to get Adam West uh, because I figured uh, it's it's really we weren't trying to do a campy show anymore. But I just wanted him because I was a fan of the old show, the uh, '60s show, and because you know I knew he could act serious. And so we got him and. So I worked with him for a couple of years before he came back in uh, as the gray ghost.
1: Nice. Um, You know, 2023 it's the 30th anniversary of mask of the phantasm. And I know at least in the Batman community, a lot of fans would argue that that's their favorite or some would go so far as to say that is, you know, the best Batman film ever made, you know, in Europe, Opinion, you know, what was your approach with Phantasm, and why do you think, you know, that movie's particular legacy is so enduring and powerful?
0: Well, I think uh, one of one of the things we wanted to do in in the movie, and it started off, by the way, as as a uh, home video, and then got thrown into the theaters. one of the things we want to do is tell a a Bruce Wayne story. We hadn't really told an origin story for Bruce Wayne. We hadn't told a real personal story for Bruce Wayne and into this mix. We also started to think that this could be also an origin for the Joker. And uh, so it was, it was just um, doing things that I, I, in a movie that you, we haven't done in a television show. I mean, that's, that's that's basically where we're starting from but i wanted to tell a big bruce wayne story and a love story because we just haven't got we didn't get into that in the series and that's what we did there's a lot of compassion and like human emotion and everything with it and it's something
1: you know when doing a dive on it you know and i've seen like old you know, movie reviews of it and critic reviews. And one of the ones that stands out now, also because I'm a Chicagoland local too, Roger Ebert and, you know, Gene Siskel's, you know, they went so far as to kind of see it as, you know, one of the domineering animated films that really transcended what people used to think animation was, which is for, you know, younger demographics as this thing that can be enjoyed by everybody or, you know, different ages and kind of transcend you know, that initial,
0: you know, idea. Well, I'll tell you something. When the movie first came out, it got very mixed reviews. Some people didn't care about it at all. And it, it tended to, in Los Angeles, it it played only matinees. So I had these big movie feelings about it, and then suddenly reality hit. And uh, I'm looking at the reviews that didn't like it, and I'm looking at the fact that it, you know, nobody was seeing it at night, like a real movie. And it lasted about a week, maybe a little more. I don't know. And then it was history. And I thought, well, that's that. You know, you you, you live, you learn, you have your hopes, and, you know. And it was a year later that my boss called me up. I, I may have been on vacation. I don't know. And so you can't believe this. Siskel and Eber have reviewed Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and they loved it. And I say, you are kidding me. And uh, I got a copy of it soon after. And it really made me feel good. They were reviewing the um, the home video because the home video had come out. But Siskel said, you know, he said essentially, we should have reviewed this a year ago when it was in the theaters. And I thought, yeah, yes, we should have. <laughs> and it made me feel better. And But I was really pleased by their reaction. And it was sort of a little bit of a turning point, I think they had some influence in that the movie got some more interest, or maybe the fact that it was just the home video coming out, I don't know, but it seemed to get a better response a year later than it did when it initially came out. And it's, you know the the fans have just Batman fans have just latched onto it. So it's great. I'm very yeah. pleased. It truly is, you know, and
1: and fans who enjoy the animated series and the DC animated series that kind of was born out of it, you know, they've been treated to three follow-up seasons of Batman, The Adventures Continue, you know, and there's a lot of new interpretations of characters in there like Court of Owls and Red Hood, you know, are there characters that if given the opportunity, you know, you would like to bring into the fold, you know, or just other stories you would like to pick up and play with if possible?
0: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, we've been we've been sort of making this up as we go along, you know, uh, figuring out what we could do. And uh, the last three stories uh, are going to be our uh, Rachel Ghoul stories, essentially. And um, uh, but if uh, I mean, we 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 did a lot of uh, characters from the comic books that weren't featured in the animated series, like Red Hood and others. Uh, so. Um, I'm not sure beyond that. I mean, if we had another year to do another few, uh, another year's worth of issues, we would come up with it. I, I just, uh, nothing is hitting me right now.
1: No worries. Um, you know, another, someone on our site was asking about this because we have, you know, outside the animated series, you know, you've produced a lot of other, you know, animated shows. You know, there's Batman Beyond, which is very well loved. Um, then there's 2004's The Batman which, you know, a lot of us feel that one's kind of an underrated gem, you know, kind of lives in the shadow. And I wanted to ask, you know, what your approach was when producing this new and, you know, very different uh, Batman universe and your kind of your take on it.
0: Well, you know, uh, I had next to nothing to do with that show. uh, Although in the last two years I was writing scripts and I was story editing the show, um... But that was um, other people were doing that show. I was in on early meetings, but I think I but I was there sort of as a figurehead. So uh, I can't take any responsibility for uh, for the show. Only in the last two seasons, all I can tell you is I enjoyed it a great deal, and I thought that the uh, you know it was it was fighting. Um, it was fighting the the old show in a way and it did it very nicely and because it was it was different looking and uh, but it was it was definitely uh, made uh, another show made by people who love batman well
1: cool, that's very well said um it looks like we have time well it looks like we're kind of running out of time here um is there any place fans can find you or interact with you? And is there anything you would like to plug before we end out?
0: Well, uh, you know, we uh, Paul, Paul Dini and I are, put, uh, are have written the last of uh, of uh, the Batman Adventures continues uh, comics, and so uh, let me plug that because I think it's a good story. It's a lot of fun, and it wraps some things up, and. Uh, the, that's the only main thing i have to plug except my appearance at uh the fan expo at uh in chicago uh this weekend and i invite people to come by i'm a little hesitant about giving out my facebook uh <laughs> stuff because really i think i'm on the verge of of uh of too many people but um people can try and and become friends i'll tell you one thing you have to tell me who you are <laughs> if I look at if I look about and I see nothing I just yeah. I just but um, but anyways that so I'm hoping to see a lot of fans this weekend so okay that's,
1: cool. That's yeah, fun. well, um thank you, Alan Burnett for joining me and you know it was great to talk to you and you know, hope the convention goes very
0: well and it was lots of fun. Well, Scott, if you're there, come see me okay, okay? Will do. all right, take care. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
1: All right. On to our first topic of the night. I should say Gotham night. For those who still don't know and have been living under a rock, Gotham nights is not returning for another season. The last episode actually aired June 27th. And shortly before that, it was announced as um, being canceled. And we did not talk about it in our last couple episodes, but we're bringing it up now, um, and I have some questions for the group. First one being,
3: did you watch it? No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I quit uh, the Airverse stuff, and I would still consider that a step up, a significant step up over this. So I did not watch this. I will be honest,
1: I've scrolled past it a few times and I've hesitated and Max actually puts it at the top banner right now for me. So that's why it's kind of front and center on my mind. And it's like it's kind of like the Jumanji board where it's like kind of beating there and I want to try it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I've resisted play, so far.
2: <laughs> Once you click play, you might never he might never come out. Just like Jumanji. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, in the follow-up question, I have this, which is kind of the reason why I brought this topic up because it's something that kind of interests me. And I don't think we talk about it a lot because we always talk about the positive stuff. But what's the most disappointing Batman adaptation you've ever seen?
2: Yeah, so I saw this uh, question on our show notes and I would, it did kind of get me thinking, like, when's the last time I've really kind of been like disappointed by anything Batman? And I went in to like, look at my like, movie collection or whatever just to kind of refresh my memory and I saw like like Batman Ninja like but I knew going into that I really wasn't going to be into that because I'm not really into that like anime style but then I saw uh, Batman and Harley Quinn the that animated movie and I was really excited for that because it was that Bruce Timm style it was Kevin Conroy it was Lauren Lester back as Batman and Nightwing and then watching it kind of made like zero impact on me so it was so strange for them to even like go back into that animated series world and really not have it be be good like i don't even remember any i think they fight swamp thing at the end if i remember like i only see her i only saw her once so that's i really never wanted to go back to that and i would probably say that's pretty as disappointed as i've ever been in a batman anything
3: So, I mean, technically, this Gotham night show would not be because Batman is kind of, for those who don't know, dead in the first episode. But, you know, if we were to sort of bend the criteria a bit, I would say this, even though I haven't seen it, based on what I've seen of it, would be most disappointing. Second, uh, in the same sort of category, would be the Gotham TV show because that was pretty awful and then if you go into animation uh bj mentioned uh batman ninja which i th- i do think was uh disappointing because i expected more based on the the visuals which were excellent but the story left a lot to be desired. Um, and then the, I think we also have to mention the killing joke adaptation. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Yes. Simply because of that that scene and we all know what scene we're talking about, which was uh, kind of gross and disgusting. And then uh, other than that, I mean, the Clooney Batman, I think is the obvious answer here. I,
1: uh, I paid money to see the killing joke in theaters and <laughs> got to see Same. that. I do too. <laughs> and it was, I was mortified. <laughs> and I think I kind of just was, think I was done at that point. In Batman Ninja, I watched and I turned off at some point. I don't, I think I got bored and I just, that was that. I, the, uh-huh. the, um,
2: <laughs> sounds own, like we might have to do a Batman Ninja commentary. I don't know. We're all, I, we're all big <laughs> fans of it.
1: Yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to see how that goes. At some point, yeah. it may get up and you might hear like drinks pouring or just like <laughs> random background noise. Um, but the one I had listed for this, because I did think about this and Gotham Knights, like I'm going to have to also bend the rules um, on this because Gotham Knights reminded me of another show that had a similar opening premise that came out and also got canceled within the first season and i was at the time i was jazzed that this was a thing there wasn't a lot of superhero media as there is now and i was like hell yeah we're getting this and i was like uh just so disappointed and it was birds of prey which i feel like has been forgotten and for a good reason but you know it starts off with like a little tease of like the joker and a reference to batman going missing within the rest of the show is uh Harley Quinn throwing out villains of the week at the Birds of Prey, and you know, I think you only get they only released like eight or nine episodes. I'm not sure, maybe a little bit more, but it wasn't much. Yeah, I never know.
3: actually, I never actually saw uh, Birds of Prey. Um, I think it was it was airing a little. I was a bit too young when it started airing, I think, and then uh, I just kind of watched it years later which obviously it, it didn't it did aging didn't help it at all um so yeah i just decided never to never to see it
1: yeah the the only thing i remember
3: that like still sticks with me is at some
1: point harley quinn she's like the i don't know she's like an evil scientist or whatever's going on there but she makes a villain equivalent of hydro man and that was also another like hit to my heart but um Yeah, (laughs) those are all pretty solid, painful picks. And we might have to, I'll have to mull over the commentary on Batman Ninja if I want to try again (laughs) or not. Our next topic is kind of along the lines of more bad news. I don't know. It depends on how you feel about this. I call this segment um, Gal Gadot news um it's related to the weird i don't know if people have been following these things as closely as we have on our discord but the weird back and forth dance with um what's happening with wonder woman in the dc in the james gunn peter Safran dc universe that's forthcoming um you know do the quick bites of this story um august 2nd gal gadot was on a press tour and suggested to comicbook.com that Wonder Woman 3 was in development. You know, a quote from that article, you know, is, it's so close to and dear to my heart, from what I heard from James and from Peter, is that we're going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together. You know, and then shortly after that, she doubled down in another interview with Flaunt Magazine, you know, saying that she was assured it was happening. Um, And then on, it should have been, I have the wrong date on here, but a few days later, or I think it was within the week, Variety reported, according to sources, a third Wonder Woman film is not in development at DC Studios, nor do Gunn and Saffron have plans at this time for any Wonder Woman project in the new DC universe, other than their previously announced Paradise Lost prequel series for Max. So... Kind of like, I mean, it's not the same as the Henry Cavill situation. That was a little bit different, and we covered that um, a while ago. But, you know, this weird false start-stop thing that's going on with all these new movies in development, kind of strange. But that's the latest as far as Wonder Woman's Woman concern, uh, is concerned. And, you know, the things I wanted to ask, you know, did you have any thoughts or reactions to this? And... You know, to piggyback off of that, would you want a third Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot?
2: Well, I I think I can guess where you two guys are leaning uh, <laughs> based on uh, what you guys have said about Gal in the past. But uh, I would like a third Gal Gadot movie. I don't know if it's going to happen because I think kind of if whatever Gun if Gun says it, I think it's true. But if we hear from sources or things like that, then I'm kind of iffy on it but uh to keep it simple yes i would like one but uh i mean who knows who knows what's gonna happen
3: yeah i mean i it's no secret i'm i'm no fan of gal gadot uh and it's mostly because uh, i don't think she can act um so (laughs) Uh, I know many people will probably disagree with me but uh I mean it's I just I, I just don't really see her in in that role that being said you know I actually really did I uh, think the first film was really good um wasn't great but you know it was really good and the second one <laughs> uh we'll just leave it at that um but I think the thing to to pick out from the story was that uh, it once again seems at least from the public perception point of view that DC doesn't know what's happening uh, within or the Warner Brothers doesn't know what's happening within their own studio with regard to the DC universe and the hiring of Gunn was supposed to clarify a lot of these things and, to be fair to him, he has been pretty open, right? Like he has been talking about it on Twitter. He's been, uh, you know, refuting rumors that are plainly false. Uh, he's been offering clarity on rumors that are true. Um, so, but this once again feels like a little bit like the old regime. So I'm not, I'm not really uh, a fan of it from, from that standpoint either. Um, and I do want to mention one thing about that, uh, Paradise Lost series. Um, it's interesting that gun or it's interesting that um, DC seems to be really promoting that. Like I was, I was looking at, uh, we got fan expo coming up. So I'm looking through what comics I want to buy and stuff. And I was looking at the wonder woman historia thing on uh, a a local Canadian uh, bookstore, just to kind of compare prices. And in the blurb, it says like it explicitly mentions that show. So they're really pushing uh, the comics as well, which I think is great. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, even if they recast Gal Gadot and make it someone uh, who's more easily going to be able to connect to that TV series, then I think that's that's fine.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good thought about that. And, you know, something you said, you kind of answered a follow-up question I had about this, or at least, you know, your feelings on this is, you know, as this developed, it, it did make me think of, you know, what you called the old regime and uh kind of like at that this may have just been a ploy at how they were working you know with black adam and everything going on there with producers just trying just saying things and and vying for powers or scraps or fighting and trying to like fake it till you make it or wish it into the existence and see, you know, what the reaction was, which, you know, worked for Zack Snyder's justice league. Um, it took some time, but <laughs> um, that was a thought I had where it was just like, maybe Gal Gadot was just, I, I can't comment on what she may or may not be thinking, but, you know, it just made me wonder if it was like, just trying to force it into existence by giving interviews and,
2: can I asked you guys um, a question. So there's always with the whole new regime and then there's still like Momoa out there as Aquaman and like there's always this tie to the past and the future and everyone just says oh it should just be a hard reset cancel all the old things blah 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 but my response to that is like um, it can't be as simple as just cancel this movie that's I know we did it once with Batgirl but it can't just be as simple as cancel this movie with Momoa because, I mean, James Wan's, like, he's a pretty semi-well-known director in Momoa. Like, say what you want about him. Like, he's, he's a pretty big name, like a household name. People know him. Like, I wouldn't call him A-list or anything, but he's pretty popular. And, like, if you cancel this movie, like, you're going to alienate, like, two pretty big, like, actors, like, and director from, like, the studio, like, studio Warner Brothers. And I don't think they can be in the business of alienating people because didn't they do this to Chris Nolan? Am I right? Like Oppenheimer wasn't Warner Brothers, right?
1: No, it was Universal. And actually, yeah, so, I have a theory that part of the themes in that movie are it's kind of like when John Favreau made Chef, where part of the themes in that movie, there's like this weird thread about being about creators being like tossed aside and like used and kind of abused. And, and I have a theory that that was Christopher Nolan, like. Layering a little pot shot into his movie at Warner Brothers,
2: but yeah, but like, so I'm sure Warner Brothers would have loved to have Oppenheimer and Barbie. Like, I mean, they're both made, they're both pretty popular, but like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I just don't see it as simple as like cancel all the old things, like never release the Flash, never, maybe they shouldn't have released the Flash, but uh, cancel all these other things and just move forward. Like, it can't just be like when they did New 52. Like, it's not as simple. I don't know how you guys feel
3: yeah it's not that simple because you know with the new 52 those are characters on a page they're not real people right so like with this they're actors they have contracts directors have contracts so i mean there's a whole bunch of business stuff behind the scenes that you know i think most people aren't factoring into their decision making uh but like i like i would kind of distinguish the aquaman stuff from the wonder woman stuff so like wonder woman already made two movies aquaman okay there was just one and i think the second one was all already in production when this when all this other stuff started going. So I wouldn't I, I don't I was never someone who was saying oh we'll cancel Aquaman 2. But I would say after Aquaman 2 comes out, and which I'm really looking forward to because I, I really enjoyed the first one. But I would say after the second one comes out, maybe hold off on making that, uh, making a third one. Or if you want to incorporate it into this new DCU that you're building, you have to do that via that Flash movie that they just uh, they just released, so I mean, it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to do. Um, I think they definitely. I mean, I would have preferred to bring back Cavill, obviously, but that's not that's not happening. So now they're they've recasted uh, Superman. They've recast Batman. I think it only makes sense to kind of recast wonder woman if it's you know those i think those three characters are kind of the most important dc characters and it would just kind of feel weird to have wonder woman be the same as the you know the previous regime and then batman and superman be kind of different uh i think aquaman even though he's kind of like a main member of the justice league is enough of a like a b-list character in the general audience's mind that if you have, you know, Jason Momoa and you bring him in via the flashpoint whatever that I think they they would buy it but uh I don't know uh it, it as you said it is definitely very very complicated. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I think you kind of touched on it like with, you know, Aquaman's not part of the trinity so you know they could make Aquaman 2 could do very well and they could make Aquaman 3 but he doesn't have to appear in a justice league movie he's not like essential to that they could just totally just have him ride out his aquaman days you know in his own little movie verse and and call it that and you know what we're talking about like i think the flash i feel like might be <clears throat> their way of like opening up to where if they ever wanted to pick up these pieces and play with them even though they're disconnected They could, they could have franchises keep running, even though they're not connected to the new DCU and just say, oh, it's part of the multiverse. But it also reminds me of um, like about a year ago when I was interviewing Michael Uslan, you know, the, the, at least his thoughts on it. And I wonder if this was like, you know, thoughts that other producers shared is that we live in this world where you can have You know, multiple interpretations running at the same time. And now, more so than like 20 or 30 years ago, audiences just get it and just kind of expect it and roll with it. And it's no big deal. So, you know, there's no reason to totally like stamp out that fire or, you know, put it out and extinguish it. Like you can just let it be and it's just kind of its own thing. And on the flip side, like as a viewer, I would get really tired if every, five to ten years they just kept rebooting you know (laughs) because you know we had like and I know it's not the same and it's not connected but like you had the Nolan trilogy and then we had the Snyderverse, and now we have the Reeves series starting up and ramping up and now we're you know even though we're not doing a Batman origin story we're like starting again
2: yeah that's Yeah, like he's like we kind of like just reading comics, like I think we kind of always get sick of uh, like a new crisis event and a new status quo, but I'm sure it, it, for the general audience like I'm sure they're kind of sick of it too like let's. I know every two minutes like there's always the joke like oh there's always a new Batman like coming in a few years like and i'm like oh yeah like I guess like good like good one, I say, but.
3: Yeah, I think the 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 Batman one kind of sticks out because um, the reboot to the Snyderverse was supposed to continue. Like we were supposed to still be in that iteration right now, but we only got the Reevesverse because that one kind of didn't work out. And I also think, like as you said, you know, you could you could keep these franchises going, but I would also say that okay, you know, Aquaman two is getting made, but. At most, Aquaman, Wonder Woman are only going to get one more movie. Like these, these things don't extend really past a trilogy at all. Like it's usually three, and then they're done. Uh, and you kind of see that across the board. And to your point about rebooting, um, I think that's the problem Marvel's running into right now. Right, like how do you still keep the interest going? Uh, and I think part of the problem uh, for at least with a lot of the The general audience, I know there's a lot of really hardcore comic fans who are invested in the characters themselves, but uh, the general audience doesn't necessarily, I think, doesn't really have a connection to Iron Man per se. They have a connection to Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) as Iron Man. And so how do you, you know, and I think that's a testament to the power of DC's characters is that you know, there have been so many iterations of these characters that even though you want, you know, it's to varying degrees, but they have legitimately resonated with audiences. So I think, you know, that's what they have going for them. True. Yeah. It's a good point,
1: but I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, <clears throat> speaking of the, um, continued, uh, old guard or old regime for DC movies, even though this kind of fits in the middle of um, both universes and, you know, James Gunn has come out and said it's, you know, part of his new DCU. Um, Blue Beetle has been getting some early buzz. You know, it's, it's uh, early reactions have filtered out within the last week or so. I think Otto, you shared this, so I can't take credit for that. Um, but, you know there's no aggregate scores but all the reviews are really positive and this quote and i, I think you highlighted this as well the best post nolan superhero film came out of it which you know your mileage may vary hearing that but um my question with all this news is does this change your desire to see it
3: <clears throat> uh i was i was actually always I was always kind of interested. The nice thing about this for me is that there are no stakes. Like, uh, I I don't care about the character that much. So I'm not going to be super offended if, you know, this isn't this element of it or this aspect, if it isn't in there or they added this aspect in there. Uh, I'm kind of just going in like, let me enjoy this uh, and, you know, have a good time. Uh, so I was kind of going to check it out on, you know, the day where, you know, tickets are discounted, uh, and everything I've seen, uh, from the initial trailer to now has kind of been positive. So I kind of feel even better about, uh, going to see it and about, you know, what it could be. Um, the big test will be like, will anyone go to see it? I mean, we just saw the, the flashes of, uh, box office totals, really uh dismal to to be honest so uh i i wonder how this will
0: do
2: yeah i i'll probably see it this weekend um i think it looks fun like otto said and i think it'll be kind of almost refreshing to see a superhero movie where the multiverse isn't collapsing or the world isn't ending like we're just gonna have uh this kid fly around in a with a beetle on his back uh looking like a super power ranger fighting like a, some other guy who looks like a beetle which i'm fine with like i love the the actors playing um Jaime, my man from cobra kai i think he's like he's always seems pretty fun and charming like in interviews and seems excited to play comp play superhero so i'm all for it
1: yeah it, um i mean it gave me pause because it reminded me of the flash marketing all those quotes that came out beforehand but at the same time like i'll probably still see it And I think it'll do... I have a feeling it'll do better than The Flash. I mean, not that that's saying much, but I think it'll at least beat The Flash in the sense that it's, like, new and it feels fresher and it's not, like, the same old, same old. So I have high hopes for it, I guess you could say.
3: Yeah, I mean, I could see that scenario, you know, happening. Like, people think that... I think... Like, we will never get a full autopsy on why The Flash uh, failed as, as a film. But uh, I think if Blue Beetle does outperform The Flash at the box office, that will be saying something, because The Flash had uh, the Keaton version of Batman in it, which was immensely popular. The, the Snyder version of Batman, which is uh, popular with some people. Uh, uh, and by the way, you mentioned the Snyder uh, cut earlier. The Air cut might be a thing soon. Uh I, I've seen some buzz about that. So that might be happening. But uh yeah, I mean if Blue Beetle outperforms them, and then I think uh DC has some thinking of thinking to do with the executive level. I just feel like they don't have the Ezra Miller problem. And
1: maybe that'll help. Well, along with it being new and like, you know, different. But you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Um the last topic we have. And this came in hot today. So it's kind of off the cuff. Um, but the to do the cliff notes of it, Glenn Howerton shared some fan art uh that made him look like Lex Luthor in like the power suit. And he said some comment like whoa or something like that, nothing deep or anything, but the internet kind of lit up and is now wondering if he's been cast as lex luther in superman legacy um and the things that point to whether or not that might be true you know that people reference that glenn howerton was actually the second pick supposedly for james gunn to play star lord and guardians of the galaxy you know and he um has been open about wanting to play mr fantastic for marvel and so he seems like he has his sights on the superhero genre but more importantly he has a James Gunn connection, so I'm not bringing this up to debate whether or not this is real, because obviously we'll know sooner or later, but um, I thought it was interesting casting if it were true, and my question is, could you see it?
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, I know we were talking before we started recording, and I'd, he might have a weird uh, bald-looking head, but you can always do gene hackman it and throw a leg on him and uh, we're all set keep him in the power suit we never have to see his head but i mean yeah i mean james gunn turned andy dwyer from parks and rec to a full-on guardian of the galaxy so who knows what he's going to do with dennis reynolds
3: yeah I'm, I'm not actually uh familiar with this actor but based on the fan art i mean definitely has the look for it to pull it off so i mean i think that's definitely a possibility the the article that you you shared also mentions that uh nicholas holt i think is his name uh he was uh the runner-up for the superman role uh and they're, they're saying that he could also be in the running for lex luthor which i think is funny because uh it there was all those memes from the menu uh with uh, uh what's his name the guy who played voldemort uh, whispering in his ear you lost out on, on Superman." it would be funny if they cast him uh as lex Luthor as well uh because then he would lose out on superman and lex luther not that i'm wishing that on him i just said for the for the meme and joke uh yeah. side of it, it would be funny no
1: i did i did see that one and i thought that i thought that <laughs> i think that would be hilarious um you know i actually like this pick if it were true i do like him a lot and is it's always sunny and i could see him playing a very um megalomaniac uh, <laughs> maniacal villain that you know just you know that can switch on a dime from being kind of friendly and and but yet terse and then being completely unhinged so i could see it but um you know, I guess we will find out.
2: It'll be better than Jesse Eisenberg. I'll say that. I'll throw that out there.
3: You mean Zuckerberg?
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's
1: all the news we have this week for the batman universe podcast you can visit us at the batmanuniverse.net for comic reviews movies movie news and more um if you want to chat with us hop on our discord there will be a link below you can also write us at tbu at the batman net, and we'll respond to your comments on air if you like these episodes please subscribe rate and share